Let's stand and take our Bibles, please, if you would. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're so glad to see you here tonight. Hope again, all of you had a wonderful Christmas. And uh, hope you continue to stay healthy during these next few days. And use them as a time just to get your soul replenished and worked up for the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. If your neighbor needs a Bible, hope you'll take a moment to, um, to share your Bible with them as we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 tonight. All right, follow us to our read from verse 13. We having the same spirit of faith according as it is written, I believe and therefore have I spoken, we also believe and therefore speak. Knowing this, that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. I'll call your attention to verse 16. I'd like you to read that verse with me tonight. That's our central thought this evening, verse 16. Would you read it with me, please, today, together tonight? For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. I want to bring you a Bible study and preach your message tonight entitled, Charge It Up. I'm not talking about your credit card either, amen? That's all charged out, amen? Charge it up. And uh, tonight, I want you to get your cell phone out. Don't text any messages this evening. If you do, text it to me, and I won't respond to you, all right? But I want you to get your chart, your cell phone out. We're going to use this as our object illustration tonight as we think about verse 16, about this inward man being renewed day by day. Now, Father, this evening, touch us in a special way. God, we need replenishing. We need, God, revival. We need what this verse says about being renewed in the inward man. And God, even considering what our inward man is all about and its vital connection by the soul to God himself, Lord, this evening, may you revive us. May you breathe the breath of heaven upon our lives. Revive us, refresh us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, for years, I think just about everybody in this room, or at least most of us, have lived with the blessings and the cursings of the modern-day cell phone. Amen? How many believe it's a blessing? Say amen. Amen? How many believe it's a curse? Say amen. Amen, okay? We're bipolar. We believe both. Amen? It's both. It's a blessing and a cursing. With a smartphone, we're able to do so many things. I mean, it's amazing what you can do. We've gone from just... Just regular phone calling to many, many other things. Um, think about it tonight with me. With, with, the, with our phone capacity, we're able to use this around the world. Can you imagine that? You can go internationally somewhere and use this phone. You go to a foreign country, you could switch out the SIM card, and you could be on the normal zone of that, that country. We can message by audio, visual, or by text, one of our church members is relocating, and, and I'm, I'm going to miss this person badly. Uh, we led them to Christ just about 10 years ago. 
but they're going to relocate to another state. And I was just visiting with them, having prayer with them. And they said, Pastor, we're going to miss you and miss Miss Grace and all that. I said, well, I'll tell you what, do me a favor. I said, get yourself a smartphone. That's an apple. Amen. Get yourself a smartphone. And I said, what you do there is, is you'll be able to FaceTime with us and we'll be able to talk to you there and FaceTime audio, whatever you do, whatever it may be. And I said, it doesn't cost you a thing. They said, really? And I said, yeah, it won't cost you anything except for the normal maintenance charge every month there. But it's amazing. We can message one another. We can take photos with fairly good resolutions. Uh, we can receive and send email. Uh, we have GPS capacity. It used to be in the, just not too many years ago, you'd find a GPS device you'd hook up. Now you can use your phone. And in, in fact, better than Google, you got ways that can help you navigate through the traffic. I mean, it's amazing. If you're hungry and you want to find a decent taqueria to go to, you type, you type, you go to Yelp, right? You can find a place to go to. I mean, it's amazing what you can do with a cell phone. Uh, we can, we can, um, we can put our boarding passes on the phone and don't have to carry paper. I mean, you're literally paperless with it. I, I've seen some guys forget their notes and they preach off their cell phone. I don't know how they do it because I can't read anything on it, but I mean, they do it, amen? Um, we can do our reading on it without carrying books. I mean, it's amazing. The amazing, the number of things you can do with this. I mean, the, uh, it's, it's incredible. But, but, with the cell phone... There's, there's one annoyance I think that we all have besides the fact that it just, you feel chained to it sometimes, all right? And the one annoyance I think we have, the cell phone, that it's, it's reliant upon batteries. And batteries eventually deplete. And batteries run out of strength. And you know what happens. If you get down to that 20% level, you get all these things that flash on your screen to tell you you're at 20%, you're depleted, you're going to be running out. And so battery strength wears out and we have to do what we call, we have to recharge your phone. You've got to charge your phone. Phone batteries, if they're drained, they're useless to you. They're non-operational. They can do nothing for you. But with a charge phone, you can go several hours, and depending on your usage, you can go for a long period of time there. Now, notice tonight, verse 16 is our key passage. As we look at verse 16, it's talking about the outward man that perishes, the inward man that is renewed day by day. We are winding down what I would consider a very busy but yet fruitful season of ministry and family time. And uh, for a lot of us, we're trying, just trying to enjoy as much as we can with family time these next few days before January starts, and then we're going to hit it back hard again. We're winding all these things down. For some of you, you've been very busy with your jobs and careers. Some of you started businesses. You're very busy. A lot of people have been busy with school and work and taking tests and things. And just the little bit of time you have for respite to pull back and, to, and just to catch your breath, that's a wonderful thing. But as we think about the new year, we're thinking about things that will be new and things that need to be renewed. You know, like it's just like recently I have on my desk, and recently on my desk, my, my DMV renewal. And you've got to renew your, your you've got to renew that. You've got to pay that fee and, and, uh, and, 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 and get your smog retest and all that. Whether you agree with it or not, you've got to do it. If you don't, your car will be considered non-operational. If you try driving without it being renewed, you're going to wind up paying some heavy financial penalties. So we're at a time of, uh, of the year, we're thinking about renewing things or renewal or whatever it may be. And we're looking at next year that this will hopefully for all of you have desires for 2019 to be a great year and a wonderful year and a fruitful year. Now notice verse 16 again. Paul says, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. And uh, Paul, if you would, gives here in verse 16 something that, is, uh, that, that Isaiah speaks about in Isaiah 40, 31, when he talks about uh, waiting upon the Lord and being renewed. Paul tells us tonight, 
from verse 16, the means to having ongoing sustainability. And you want to remember that term, ongoing sustainability in the Christian life. Paul teaches us principles that are found in the Old and New Testament on finding strength when our strength is gone. We're going to look at tonight the subject, charge it up. Because, you know, later on, you're, if you've got a depleted phone tonight, you're going to plug it in and you're going to charge it up. If it's not depleted, eventually it gets that 20% level, you're going to charge it up. And you have to assess tonight as we're looking at the Word of God, where you're at in your spiritual life and what needs to be charged up in your spiritual life. Because tonight, we need to plug into the Holy Spirit of God and get our inward man renewed and to charge it up. Amen? So I want you to see several things tonight in our study. Number one, notice in verse 16, we see the reality. In verse 16, it says, though our outward man perish. There's a reality. There's a reality. We get weary. We get tired. We get exhausted. We faint. How many feel like you've gotten a year older this year? Amen? You're a year older. You may not believe it, but you're probably a step your step slower than you were last year, amen? And you go into next year, you're gonna be another step slower. It's just a reality. He says the outward man perishes. Now, when we think of the word perish, perish has two different meanings in the, in, in the Bible. Perish has two different meanings. The first meaning we'll typically think of is found in John 3.16. In John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish okay now what does perish mean in John 3 16 what well, means headed to ruin it means destruction it refers to the lost sinful condition of every man it implies that every individual has been sentenced to death the word perish as used in that context is, is doesn't have a good connotation it means condemnations it's 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 synonymous condemnation however in hebrew in in, in second corinthians 4 16 the word perish has a similar idea but it refers to the fact that our human nature is corrupt and changes for the worse. It does not mean we're under condemnation in that usage, but in 2 Corinthians 4.16, it still refers to the idea that we have a corrupt nature. It refers to the fact it's a weak nature. It refers to the fact that it's getting weaker and weaker and weaker. Look, it doesn't matter unless you turn the phone off, your phone will get weaker and weaker and weaker. The more you use it, it will get weaker and weaker and weaker. More battery strength will be depleted over time. Our life gets depleted. It has the idea here, verse 16, of the consuming away of our vigor and our strength. How many are just kind of glad that all the festivities from yesterday are kind of done, amen? Uh, do you know how many are just glad you're just, all the eating's done, your jaw can rest for a few minutes, amen? Your stomach can rest a few minutes, all right? And uh, that feels pretty good about that. But you know what? There's the wearing away that we have. It implies the fact that every one of us, we, it has the idea of a, of a worm or moth that has found its way in your closet and it's eating away at the fabric of your clothing. It starts off slowly and you don't notice it, but you start to notice that there's a wearing away of that clothing. That's what's going on. We're wearing away. The outward man is perish, perishing. Now the reality is people get older, people getting weary, people drain faster, um, people lose enthusiasm for the same things. Listen, there are things we do as Christians right now yeah, and I'm not going to ask for a poll, but there are things we do as a Christian that perhaps now, if you've been saved for a long period of time, maybe you just don't have the same enthusiasm about some of those things that you used to have. That's part of this idea of this perishing, this outward man perishing. People get themselves into a routine, but they get tired. The Bible says the outward man perishes. Hey, consider this. Gideon and his 300 men, as they were pursuing after the Midianites in, in the book of Judges, the ju book of Judges 8, 4 says they were faint 
yet pursuing. Elijah reached that point of exhaustion after running something like 18 to 20 miles down Mount Carmel and coming down to the town of Jezreel there. The Bible says that when after, after uh, Jezebel threatened him, he said, it's enough. Isaiah referred to this point that we reached when he said, them that have no might. And he says, even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young man shall utterly fail, uh, shall utterly fall. Uh, Ezekiel refers to this point we reach of being weary. He calls it being dried. We have a term we use. We call it being depletion or depleted. When we're depleted, it means we've used up everything. We're depleted, we've exhausted ourselves. We're depleted, we've expended out all our strength. Paul calls it spent and being spent. We come to a place where we are depleted. Now, I don't know where you're at tonight, but are you depleted? Are you depleted in your strength? Are you depleted in your spiritual vigor? Are you depleted in terms of your ability of just doing what you used to do or doing more for Jesus Christ there? Are you near or at depletion? We see the reality. Would you notice number two tonight. Go back to our passage. Notice number two, the reasons for depletion. Now we've got to, we've got to just seriously consider tonight, why do we get depleted and how does depletion come? And this will help us tonight because it explains why we get weary and why we get exhausted and why the, the strength runs out and why some of us can go longer and some of us can't. How many of you have ever seen that commercial about the ever-ready battery, right? That ever-ready battery just keeps on going and going and going and going. Hey, some of us don't feel like that. I look at that ever-ready battery and I think, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to keep on going like that. I want to just slow down just a little bit. But we get like that sometimes. Now notice some words Paul uses in 2 Corinthians 4. Are you there with me tonight? Look, notice 2 Corinthians 4. He uses some very strong words to describe this matter of depletion and this matter of being depleted, okay? Notice verse 1. Therefore, seeing as we've received this ministry, as we, uh, uh, therefore, seeing we have this ministry as we've received mercy, notice the term he uses, we faint not. Verse 1, verse 16, he uses the word faint to describe depletion. Underline that. Notice some other words he uses. Verse 8, he uses the word troubled. Verse 8, he uses the word perplexed. Verse 9, he uses the word persecuted. Verse 9, he uses the word cast down. All of these are strong words synonymous with the idea of eventually being depleted, worn out, drained, running on empty, having nothing left to give to anybody, even yourself there. It's, these are very strong words. Depletion will result in a loss of enthusiasm. Depletion results in a loss of sharpness. Depletion results in a less than upbeat state of mind towards things. Depletion happens to all of us. It happens at different times. Some get depleted faster. Some get depleted. It takes longer for them to get depleted. But we all will reach the place where we get depleted, worn out, and weary by things. Now what causes it? What are the reasons? Well, first of all, consider their physical reasons. Their physical reasons. If you drive in this normal, normal uh, traffic we have out here, our commuter world, you're going to get worn out. Amen? You drive one hour one way, one hour one way, you're going to get worn out. You do that every day, it's going to wear you out. Some of our folks in church, we've got some folks that drive an hour and a half one way sometimes. In some cases, some go two hours. I mean, you get worn out if you have to do that all the time. Just sitting on public transportation wears you out. Hey, nonstop hard work. If you're used to going 10-hour days and 12-hour days with very little margin for breaks and so forth, you do that over a long period of time, you're just going to hit a point where you're just worn and worried out. 
Um, uh, anemia, if you, if, you, if you haven't been blood tested, if you've got anemia of any kind, that can wear you out. Lack of exercise will wear you out. Lack of adequate, adequate sleep will wear you out. By the way, I grew up in a day and age where a man used to fight sleeping. It was a sin to sleep so much. Can I tell you there's healing properties in sleeping? You need to get adequate amounts of sleep for the sake of your organs and for your brain. You need sleep so you can replenish your body. Sleep is a good thing. Too much sleep is not a good thing, but sleep is a good thing. An adequate amount of sleep. Now, some people can run on five hours. Praise God for that. Some, most people need seven and eight hours. I know some people need nine and ten hours. I don't know why, but they do, okay? That's just the way we are. That's the way our bodies are. But you need sleep. But a lack of sleep over a long period of time, a deprivation of sleep will lead to this, this, this depletion and exhaustion that we, we experience here. A lack of rest or the inability to rest. Well, some of us reach a point as adults where our minds get focused on something and maybe it's a lot of thinking work, a lot of people in the IT world, a lot of people that are dealing with people, their, wire, their minds get wired, and they can't rest. I, I've, got, I've got several folks in church right now battling with a trial of restlessness right now, where their minds are running all the time, and they can put their heads down to sleep at, at night, and they can't fall asleep, and their minds are racing and racing and racing, and they've got anxieties and worries, and their minds are wrapped up over things, and they don't know how to describe to anybody else, but they can't let go of certain things. And it's a stronghold that they experience in their life, this inability to rest physically, they're, 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 one of the reasons is physical. But notice number two, you know, the second reason is mental and emotional. Mental and emotional reasons lead to depletion. Now listen very carefully because I believe that affects a lot of us here. And the mental emotional aspect affects the physical. Okay? Now what is that? Well, he talks about fainting not. That's stress. That's anxiety. Fears. Job or business related difficulties, stress, projects you're managing, project failure, money, that is a lot of stress, or the lack or loss thereof, worrying about how to pay tomorrow's bills, sorrow, notice Paul refers to sorrow in verses 10 to 11, when he talks about always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, in Paul's case, he lived with the threat of being assaulted and killed, we'll talk more about that in a few minutes there, but if you've experienced death in your home, your family, it's an incredibly draining event because there's sorrow and there's, you know, your emotions are raw and uh, you cry your heart out and, the, and, and, the, and the, just the, the sorrow of loss and all those kind of things there. And then if you're, if you're battling, if you personally are battling with long-term health ailments, uh, like we have many on our prayer page, I mean, just going to bed at night and just being stressed out and worried and thinking about what's the doctor going to say and, and what about this treatment they're telling you and they're using all these medical terms that they're used to talking about and, they, and it doesn't bother them, but you're just trying to get your minds around that and you're trying to wonder, what's this going to do to me? And what about the side effects? I mean, that can, be, that can be very draining. And then how about if you're a caregiver for a family member. Some of you have experienced that when you're a caregiver for a family member and you're doing it repeatedly around the clock and realizing the physical and mental exhaustion and then trying to find out all the government programs that could help you out and dealing with those things there. I mean, that can be extreme, extremely draining. And then, consider with me tonight the one that we kind of discount and don't think about, but sin, unconfessed sin or sin that we're battling with in our lives, that can have a mental and emotional drain. You say, well, Pastor Fong, that is a lot of stuff. It is a lot of stuff and it's real stuff that people go through. Hey, listen tonight, some Bible characters who experienced those same things. Hey, Jacob experienced this when he said, all these things are against me. Jacob was about 128 years old. He, lost jo he thought he lost Joseph. He hadn't seen Joseph for all those years. 
He had all these sons that had messed with his head. And now they're in a famine and they're telling him, you gotta, you gotta bring Benjamin back with you to Egypt so we can get some corn. And he says, he starts complaining about everything going on. And he describes in the book of Genesis chapter 42, verse 36, he says this way, all these things are against me. David experienced this, this depletion when the daily pressure being, being pursued by Saul pressed on him. And finally, one day we get to Psalms 142, the record how David felt with these pressures and this depletion. He, this is what he said. And this is while he's surrounded with 600 mighty men. He says, refuge failed me. He said, no man cared for my soul. Jeremiah experienced this as he was given by, by God. He was told to prophesy day after day and week after week about judgment that was coming on Israel. And he talked about this northern power and the seething pot which represented Babylon, how Babylon would come down and capture them. And finally, they could take no more of that. And he stood in the court there, uh, uh, there, there in the court. And as he did there, this man by the name of Pasture came up and whacked him across the face and said, you're not going to preach anymore. Don't bring you more of this preaching stuff. I'm talking about judgment here. And Jeremiah was human just like you and me. And I guarantee you that morning he had his devotions. And I guarantee you that morning he prayed and spent some time with God. And I guarantee you that morning he read his Bible, but he got smacked across the face and that hurt. Now that he gets smacked across the face, he was censured and told, you can't preach anymore in this court. Here's, here's Jeremiah's response to that. Oh Lord, thou hast deceived me and I was deceived. He said, Lord, you said I'd be okay. Lord, I'm not okay. Lord, thou hast deceived me, and I, and I was deceived. He said, thou art stronger than I, and hast prevailed. And he said this, I am in derision daily. Everyone mocketh me. Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. He got so depleted, so discouraged. He said, I'm going to quit the ministry. I'm going to quit preaching. Hey, Jesus got that way. We talked about that last week. Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he said, take this cup from me. Hey, listen tonight. It, it can, the reasons are physical, and the reasons are mental, emotional, but watch it. The reasons are also spiritual. Long-term physical and emotional depletion is always tied to spiritual depletion. And I'll be real honest with you tonight. As we look forward to 2019, you're physically drained, you're probably spiritually drained. And if you're emotionally drained, you're going to be spiritually drained. Yes, you can still trust God and you'll still have faith in God, but you're going to be drained. Paul said, verse 16, our outran perishes. You know what happens when you're like that? Depletion comes in, it's a loss of passion. Lack of joy. Hearing about people getting saved doesn't bring enjoyment anymore. It's when the path we used to pray at is noticeably empty. The grooves are no longer there where you used to kneel. When the pages of Scripture have not been turned for many days. When attending church is not a blessing, it's a chore more than it's a blessing. When the conviction of the Holy Spirit just doesn't seem present when there's the preaching of God's word. When you find that indifference and apathy seem to be more the rule of everything instead of fire and enthusiasm for God. It's when we feel we're at this place, our soul is drying up, so does everything that is essential to victorious Christian living. We feel like we're drying up. There's unanswered prayers. There's an unproductive uh, 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 there's an unfruitful life. There's unrealized faith. Notice Paul refers to this as our afflictions. 
Then we look back at verses 8 and 9, and Paul describes it through words that is trouble and perplexed and persecuted and cast out. And I remind you, we look at chapter 4, we're reminded in verse 4 that we're in a spiritual war. The devil's out every way he can to get us sidetracked, get us defeated, get us unfocused. The enemy can't take your eternal life, but the enemy can work on it such a way that if we're not very careful in guarding our spiritual life, our spiritual life can get to a place where we're running on empty, running on depleted. We're hoping we've got enough to get us through to the next day. So we get this place right there, and we realize our outward man is perishing. We see the reality. We see the reasons, which you notice tonight, the remedy. We'll put our finger for a few moments on why these things happen, and do they happen? Yes, they do. But we need to look at the remedy. And I want to give you some things tonight as we look forward to 2019, as we look forward to starting a new year, as we look forward on January 13th unveiling our new vision, as we look forward to setting some goals, as we look forward to a year of God working, as we're planning ahead for things we want God to do. Listen, tonight, if we're at the place, we need to examine very carefully. We need to examine ourselves to see at what percentage our life is charged up. We need to determine, are we at 20%? Are we at 50%? Are we at 60%? Are we at 40%? We need to do an assessment by the Word of God to determine how much are we charged up. And we've got to get ourselves back into the energy source of God. We need to get ourselves plugged back into the Word. Amen? We need to get ourselves plugged back into prayer and realize this is a time and opportunity for God to work in us, to replenish us. Because verse 16 says, for though, he says, for he says this, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Please note tonight, the most important part of what I'm going to give you is right now, is in this area of the remedy. How do we stay, how do we get replenished? How do we get recharged? How do we get this charging up that the Bible wants us to have? Notice, first of all, in verse 7, notice we have a power. Amen? We have a power. The Bible says in verse 7, we have this treasure this thesaurus in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Brother and sister in Christ, depletion will happen, but depletion does not have to be fatal. Depletion will happen, but depletion does not have to be our funeral. Tonight, we can go to verse 7 and realize our bodies are like clay pots. They're like earthen vessels. The Bible says, but we have this treasure. What is the treasure? It's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. It's the fact the Holy Spirit wants to be renewed in our lives day in and day out. The Holy Spirit wants us to be filled with Him. And notice this evening that the excellency, the power is not of us, but of God. Listen, we can pump ourselves up. We can juice ourselves up. We can go to, we can go to energy drinks and you can drink a couple cans of Red Bull, which I don't recommend you too, amen? But I'll tell you tonight what's going to happen. You can get all that physically, but it's only going to be temporary. What lasts for long periods of time is when the power of the Holy Spirit's at work in our lives. Man, you plug in the Holy Spirit of God, you can just keep on going. Because the excellency of the power is not of man, but of God. I remind you tonight, it's not people power. I remind you tonight, it's new age, not new age power. And I remind you tonight, contrary to what our world says, it's not substance abuse power. No, it's Holy Spirit power tonight. Notice verse 14. It's the same power that raised Jesus up from the dead. Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. 
It's reviving power. It's replenishing power. It's repeated power. It's power from above, not from us. It's that power that enabled Elijah to go in the strength of that meat for 40 days and nights. Listen tonight. In your notes, you can turn to it, Isaiah 44, 3. What a wonderful promise we're given there. God told Isaiah, I will pour waters upon him that is thirsty. And I'll pour floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thy offspring. The other day I was reading in my devotion, I came across that verse. I said, man, I'm going to plug that in this next message here. I'll pour water upon him that is thirsty. I'll pour floods upon the dry ground. Hey, we need to sense and know when we're dry. We need to sense and know when we're unempty. We need to sense and know that our phone, our, our spiritual life is undrained. We need to sense and, and we need to sense and know it's time to plug back into the power source. The power source is the Holy Spirit of God. Number one, we have a power. Number two, notice verses 10 to 13. Notice number two, we have a persuasion. In verses 10 to 13, I want to read all of that, but the key is in verse 13. Always bring about the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. Notice verse 13. We, having the same spirit of faith, According as it is written. Now, the spirit of faith that he's talking about, you might want to write in the Bible, he's talking about Psalms 116. And specifically, he's talking about verse 10. Notice what he says here. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, Psalms 116, verse 10, I believe, and therefore have I spoken, we also believe, and therefore speak. Now, what's Paul talking about there? Well, Paul's talking about in verses 10 to 12, the near-death experiences he, he was experiencing, okay? Near-death not being that he died, but he says, I'm at the point where I'm ready that I could die at any moment. You have to remember Paul's ministry, that when Paul was at Antioch and Iconium and at Lystra and at Philippi and Thessalonica and at Athens and at Corinth and Berea, at all those locations he was, everywhere, one of those places where Paul was at, as he began preaching the gospel and people started getting saved and a nucleus of a church was being formed, he was under attack. The Jews came down and they assaulted him and they fought with him and they beat him up down there at Lystra. They dragged him out, remember, to the center of town and the outside of town and they stoned him and left him for dead. So Paul, when he got to Corinth there, now remember, he's writing to the church at Corinth, he had vivid memories of this. Paul, when we get to Acts chapter 18, he's at Corinth, and he's at Corinth. He's, he's been preaching for a long time, and finally they get a breakthrough. He moves his ministry to the house of this man. While he's there, Jews start getting saved, and the leader of the, of the synagogue got saved, and God's starting to work there in a mighty way. And during that night, Paul's thinking, well, people got saved here, and the church is getting started. I guess I better get prepared, because I guess I'm going to get assaulted again, and I'm going to get persecuted, I've got to move again. And deep down inside, Paul's humanity was just saying, you know what, I wish I could just stay here a little bit longer and he's just got discouraged there and he's feeling depleted because he poured out his heart he was he was tent making during the day to sustain himself financially and he was tent making during the day and he's preaching when he wasn't tent making and he's trying to win souls and he's feeling this he's just feeling this heavy weight that he's probably going to either get persecuted or maybe even killed there at Corinth and the God came to him we read about this in first uh, Acts chapter 18 that God came to him and gave him assurance that he could stay there and the Lord would sustain him through that so Paul is thinking about all this well Paul now is writing about 
about that experience in verses 10 to 12, about the fact that death is always working in him, and he just faced the reality that preaching the gospel was risky, and he faced the reality that living for Jesus Christ could be risky, and so he said, you know, I just, I bear the sentence of death in myself, and so he gets down to verse 13, and he talks about the fact, in spite of all that, what kept him going was his faith. He was persuaded by faith. Where did he get that faith from? Before he first to Psalms 116. Now, are you familiar with Psalms 116? Psalms 116 is both a prayer and a praise. It's a psalm that was written by a believer that was at the point of death. You read Psalms 116. He prayed for God to bring him out of the shadow of death. He was near death. In fact, he recognized that he could have died at any time. And he went to God in prayer. It's a great prayer. I'm not sure who prayed it, but he prayed this prayer. And he asked God to deliver him from death. And God did. And he wasn't against death because he said, in ver- it's later on in that chapter, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of a saint. But he probably thought about his family. And he thought about his ministry. And he thought about his life. He said, Lord, let me stay a little bit longer. And God sustained him. And he was thanking God for God sustaining him. He's praising God in Psalm 116 for giving him life and breath. And so therefore, he said, I believe and therefore I've spoken. And that's what he was saying there. So Paul repeats that. Paul is going back to Psalm 116. Maybe he got to verse 13. He was meditating on Psalm 116. He was thinking about that same believer as he was going through this death experience, how God delivered him. So Paul said in verse 13, he said here, we having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believe, and therefore have I spoken. And I, I think about the fact Paul was saying this. I, I have the same faith this, this believer in Psalm 116 have. I got faith that God's going to see me through. I got faith that though my outward man is perishing, my inward man may be renewed day by day. And he's saying the same thing that coincides with our theme back here. I believe. He said, I believe. He says, listen, therefore have I spoken. F.B. Meyer said this. He wisely said this. He says, he says, only speak that which you have enough faith for. Have whatever you have faith in, that's what you should speak of. Don't speak about something you don't have faith in. And I think right now Paul was saying here in verse 13 that I, he had great faith in God, that God was let me tell you tonight, not, yes, we have a power, but we must have faith. We must believe that God will sustain us. We must believe that there's more to do. We must believe that God can answer prayer. We must believe that the Bible is true. Yeah, you're going to be tired, and you're going to be weary, but you still got to believe that God's work can still change life. And you still got to believe that God answers prayer. And you still got to believe the Holy Spirit of God still works in your life there. That's what Paul was saying there. I have faith. I believe. Listen, tonight, you may be tired, and you may be weary, and you're tired of going so many. You're tired of winning so you're tired of spending time in prayer but I'm going to say keep winning souls keep on praying because God says to have faith in him that it can get done so we see the persuasion he has there faith is our persuasion I believe and therefore I speak but notice thirdly not only do we have a power and not only do we have a persuasion but you notice Paul gives us the right perspective but you notice verses 17 to 18? For our light affliction. Wait a minute. Didn't he just talk about trouble? Didn't he just say we're perplexed? Didn't he say our man is perishing? It's like a moth that's eating away at the fabric. Didn't he say in verse 9 we're persecuted? Didn't he say in verse 10, we're cast down? Didn't he say in verses 10 to 12 about death? And notice this description of this in verse 17. Our light affliction. He didn't call it our bad affliction. He called it our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. 
while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Well, watch this. Perspective is the angle by which you look at something. Okay? It's the angle by which you look at something. You can say, this is pretty, or this is not pretty. Now, you better say it's pretty, or the lady who made it is going to kill you, amen? But it's pretty, okay? You can say I'm loud. I don't think I'm too loud, but I probably am loud, amen? Perspective is the angle you see things. Sometimes we have a distorted angle. We don't see it the way God sees it. Notice Paul. The remedy is verses 17 18. We need the right perspective. We look at things from a temporal perspective. He said, Our light affliction is but for a moment. What a great thought. As he was languishing there in that, that prison, our light affliction, it's just a moment. And he said in verse 18, this, this should, should make us just humble ourselves before God. While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. But the things which are not seen are eternal. And by the way, how many understand tonight as we look at verse 18 and tie it to verse 13 where we just saw, uh, look, he's, faith is seeing the invisible, amen? That's seeing the eternal. And here's the thing. He said, look it, I don't have my eyes on what the problem is. I have my eyes on the solver of the problem, amen? I don't have my problem on how bad it is. I have my eyes on how good it's going to be, amen? He's got a right perspective about this whole matter. He's saying, listen, yeah, we do get depleted. And yes, we do get drained. And yes, we will faint. But listen, we've got to have the right perspective of this matter. And the perspective is, don't look at it as being, oh, woe is me. And how bad is the situation? And how terrible it's going to be? Say, praise God. It had all works out. Because, listen, all things work together for good to them to love God. To them were the called according to his purpose, amen? Joseph said this, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Saved many people by it. And so we look at this persuasion. And in verse 17, you have the right persuasion. I mean, the right perspective. Notice, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, it's working for us. Amen? Now, I don't know about you. I like, I like things working for me. Amen? Okay? It's like your money. You either work for your money or your money works for you, amen? I think it's smart to let your money work for you if you can find a way to do that, amen? He said, for our light affliction, which but for a moment worketh for us. Hey, make your trial work for you, amen? Make your trial work for you. He says, worketh for us a far more exceeding an eternal weight of glory. He's, you know what he's saying there? Let your trial work for you. you get, you're going to have more up in heaven. He's talking about treasures. And so then we go back to verses 8 and 9. Would you notice this? We're troubled on every side, yet not distress. Amen? Let me paraphrase that for you tonight. We're suffering, but we're not stressed out. That's what he's saying. We're suffering, but we're not stressed out. Look again. We're troubled on every side, 
Oh, woe is me, Pastor. I got so many problems. Amen. Sit, stand in line. Amen. I'm ahead of you right now. But yet not distressed. Oh, I'm so stressed out. Yeah, I could tell. Look at you. You're nervous. You know what he's saying, verse, verse 8? We're pushed in a corner, but we're not crushed. Perplexed. You know what perplexed means? I'm frustrated. But not in despair. Perplexed. Being in despair means everything, the rug's pulled out from under you. You're spiraling downwards and there's no bottom. But this is Paul's perspective. We have frustration, but it's not fatal. He didn't say, you're not going to be frustrated. We're going to be frustrated. He didn't say we're not going to have problems. We're going to have problems. It's all about your perspective. Trouble on every side. But not distress. Persecuted. But not in despair. Notice something else. This gets better. Persecuted. But not forsaken. Here, he's using a wrestling term. That means literally pressed on the mat, but you're not going to pin my shoulders. Now, if you understand wrestling, that's a, that's a pretty dynamic statement. You're pressed, but you're not going to pin me. In other words, the opponent has got to move on him, and he's trying to get it to pin his, his shoulder on the, on the mat, because if he could pin his shoulders on the mat, he won the, he won the, he won the, he won the contest. And here, here's Paul, he says, yeah, I'm on my back. He says, I'm on my back, I'm pressed, but I'm not pinned. You got me rolled over, but you're not going to pin me. He says, listen, and the, and the terminology he uses here is in the English, that we're persecuted, but not forsaken. And listen, by the way, he was persecuted many times. But he said, God never left me. And I think he's thinking back at Acts chapter 18 when God came to him and what I call and one of the messages I preach, God gave him fatherly encouragement. He said, don't be discouraged. Don't be dismayed. I got many people in this city. He said, you're going to stay here, Paul. Unlike the other places, you're going to stay here. And he stayed there for 18 months, praise God. That's the longest ministry he had of any city he'd been in where he planted a church. He stayed there right there and a lot got done for God. And God gave me enough time that later on you would see those, those, those feelings, those impressions he developed and that faith he developed for the churches at Corinth that, that we find this reflected in the first two letters that he writes to them here. But he goes on something else. Notice verse 9. Cast down, but not destroy. Now, in the first half of verse 9, he uses a wrestling terminology. The last half, he's using boxing terminology. Paul understood some about, 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 about athletics. I think, I think he and the men here in our church, we'd have a great time with Apostle Paul because he loved athletics, amen, you know? And here, you know what he's saying? The first half, he's saying, we're pressed but not pinned. You know what he's saying in the second half? I'm knocked down but not knocked out. That's a good perspective, amen? He got a broken job, but you're not knocking me out, amen? I may be hurting, I may have a headache, but I'm not knocked out. 
I might have a concussion, but I'm not knocked out. I'm knocked down, but I'm not knocked out. I'm not staying down for the count. I'm getting back up. I'm just saying tonight, listen, God helps us this evening. We look at our inward man. Our outward man is perishing. How do we get an inward man that's renewing day by day? I'll tell you what. We've got a power. We have a treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We have a persuasion. I believe and therefore spoken. We have here, we have here this other thing. He gives a perspective about things. We look at things from an eternal perspective there. Notice he gives us something else. Notice verse 16 again. He gives us a process for this remedy. But notice the process. For, though our, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish. Notice the second half. Yet the inward man is renewed day by day. This word renewed Just make alive again. Give it life. It has, the, it has the image of Ezekiel 37. Son of man, see, see these, what do you see? Son of man, can these dry old bones live again? And God breathed life, those dry, dead old bones. He says, our inward man is renewed day by day. Now there's a process for renewal. It's a biblical process. It's a fail-safe process. Number one, would you notice in verse 16, renewal through the Bible, as we see here, renewal, the process of renewal is daily. It's daily. Now, bless God, there are going to be times, I'll say this as we close up in a moment, there are times when you need to create margins in your schedule. I plan my schedule. I've already got my schedule planned for next year. We plan margins in your schedule where you know you're going to have these busy seasons. You better take time to replenish. It doesn't matter how, how, how much you spend the same time. Your sharpness, you lose sharpness along the way. You lose about 5% of your sharpness, 10% of your sharpness along the way. And you're in your busy season. You can still have your, your time. But listen, to keep the ongoing sustainability that, we, that we, we, we have, the appearance that we're sharp and we're on top of things. He says this renewal process must be daily. And the notice, renewal must be a discipline. We read in Isaiah 40, 31, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Here's a key thought. The discipline is waiting on God. Now some of you are, are, are better Christians than me because you, you don't, you guys, some of you guys like to stand in line all day long. It doesn't bother you, amen? I don't know how some of you parents can go to Disneyland and stand in line all day long. That is absolutely crazy. I don't know how you could do that. I, don't, I, I go to Costco I don't look for the longest, man, I'm moving, man, I'm moving there, around there like I'm a 16-year-old. Man, I'm trying to find the shortest line I can, amen? Somebody, I've, watched, I've seen church members, I've walked into Costco, see church just standing there, 50 people deep in line. I thought, man, I get over here, I'm, I'm third one, amen? You know, I don't know what you're doing there, but I, I'm not that kind of, I don't, but I don't like, but you know what? But there's, there's waiting that we have to do, the Bible says. You got to wait on the Lord. Did you know waiting on God means you cannot, you can't rush God? God is, how many have figured out God's not in a hurry, amen? God is not in a hurry, amen? You can't rush God. You can't rush God's power. You can't rush answered prayer. You definitely cannot rush holiness. They that wait upon the Lord. 
You know, those who wait upon the Lord, as Isaiah, if you read about all that Isaiah is saying, Isaiah chapter 40 there, that's in a very, very selective, elite few who've chosen to carve out their lives to wait upon the Lord. Now, you know what the tragedy is tonight? We want God to wait on us instead of us waiting on God. That's a tragedy. We want God to cater to our impulsive, immature desires when really we are the ones who just need to wait in the presence of God until it's time. And he describes in Isaiah 40, 31, this process, this discipline. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew the strength. The renewal process is daily, but the renewal process is also a discipline. We have to wait on him in prayer and in the word and in failures and in setbacks. And when things like look like they're not happening and when things look like we're still not going anywhere and maybe what may, we may perceive as fruitless days and moments, but we can't rush God. We have to wait on God. We have to wait on him. We, that's what David learned all those, from all that running around from Saul. He learned this one thing. He says, wait thou my soul upon the Lord. We've got to wait on God. <laughs> then he describes in verse 31, notice the renewal process. They mounted with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk not faint. The opposite to that in the preceding verse, he talked about even the youth getting weary and the youth getting tired. But he says, they that wait upon the Lord, they have ongoing sustainability. They can keep on going and keep on going and keep on going. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. And I'm kind of, it's kind of, I'm kind of glad that Isaiah chose to use those two words, running and walking, because those, those two images of, of movement in the Christian life describe our faith. We're to, we're to run the race, amen? And we're to walk, we're to walk by faith. And so he talks about, hey, you can just keep on going. Hey, Abraham, Abraham didn't get worn out as he, as he walked as a pilgrim. I mean, I don't know about you, but I bet, I, I have to think that Sarah was probably frustrated with the, the man when, when, when he said, well, God told us we got to leave our home and we got to go. Where are we going, Abraham? I don't know. And they're going for another day. Where are we going? I don't know. I just keep on walking. God said, keep on going. He kept on going. And he kept on going. He kept on going. And let me tell you tonight, we need to keep on going for God. And it's interesting, he describes, he describes mounting with wings as eagles. You know what he's telling us? He, when, when we're waiting on God and we get replenished, we're able to soar the heights. We can see at a distance. We have keen eyesight. We have great visionary ability. And then when we, when we get back on the ground, we're able to run and not grow. We're able to walk. And not He's talking about a replenished individual, a person who's renewed. Hey, though our outward man may perish, our inward man is renewed day by day. One last thing tonight, we're done. We see the reality. We see the reasons. We see the remedy. Paul gives us one more counsel. But you notice the resistance. Look at verse 1 and 16 again. Both times he said, we faint not. If you're a student and you've got your multitasking five or six classes, there just comes a point, there's a halfway point through the semester, you're just brain fried, amen? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it just everything kind of runs across the pages and things like that. And, and, and you may not think of it, but you, you're, actually, you're actually depleted. 
and you're doing the same routines, and you, you're just kind of doing it, but there's no results like you used to have, you're depleted. But Paul says something very interesting here. He said in verse 1, we've received mercy, we've received a ministry from God, therefore we faint not. In verse 16, he says, he speaks about, about the, the grace of God at work. And by the way, that's another thing I didn't get a chance to talk about. The grace of God at work in our heart is that, that's a remedy and, and faith and, and perspective and persuasion. And he, and he talks about all those things. He's for the which cause we faint not. He says, hey, serving Jesus is worth it and living for God is worth it. He said, for the which cause we faint not. Now, what's he saying there? Well, number one, there must be resistance that we, we exercise when it comes to fainting. There must be resistance that we exercise when it comes to fainting. Now, let me give you some thoughts if I'm done tonight. How do, how do you build resistance? How do you get to a place where you faint not? How do you get to that place? Because we will faint. Well, number one, what you write this down? Build margins within your schedule for adequate rest and seasons of renewal. Now, we must, we must understand renewal is day by day. It's daily. But you've got to build margins into your schedule, okay? Now, I thank God for vacations, but if your, your idea of vacation is to see everything, go everywhere, and start your day like you do a normal work day, you're all worn out, and you, then when you get back, you need a vacation from the vacation. How many understand that, amen? Somehow something got lost along the way, okay? Not being critical of you, I'm just saying something got lost along the way, okay? To me, that wasn't a vacation, but to you it might be, okay? But you know what he says here? We need to build margins in our scheduling. Now, in all your planning for next year, I can give you one thought. Would you build some margins, what I would call for catch at prayer time? I mean, come on. If you're commuting, you're on a hectic schedule. The average person, let's say they, they put in nine hours a day in their job, two hours commuting, that's 11 hours. Three and a half to four hours for personal things they got going on, running chores, all these kind of things there. And let's just say you're trying to get seven hours of sleep. That's, that's your day. And as a good Christian, you're trying to build in there. You're coming to church and all that. You're just, you're just busy. And the way you get, you, you get around some of that, you go to get some fast food to eat and do, you know, and that's, understand that, okay? But I'm saying tonight, some of you experience, like I have in my past, an entire week where you didn't spend the time in prayer, you should have. And I would just encourage you, build margins into your schedule for catch-up time for praying, catch-up time for Bible reading, whatever it may be, catch-up time with your spouse, catch-up time with your children. Build margins in your schedule for renewal. Number two, be very careful. I, I was going to preach a message on time. I decided to preach this tonight. Be careful that your schedule is not master and tyrant of your life. You ever heard of the term tyranny of the urgent? How many of you know that term, tyranny of the urgent? You ever read that book? Did you ever read that book, Tyranny of the Urgent? It's talking about when time is master of you and you're not master of the time. Now be careful of all these time management things, okay, that, that people get you into. You know what all these time management things are trying to get you to do? First of all, it tries to get you uncluttered your time so you do manage your time. But here's what a lot of them do. I've read all the books. Here's what they all try to do. They try to get you to do more in less time. You know what they're trying to get you to do? They're trying to get you more busy, more busy, more busy, adding more things you can do more. You know what happens at the end of the day? You're overcommitted. You know what happens to an overcommitted person? You don't get anything well done right. 
You can't get anything accomplished. Let's be realistic, okay? If you're overcommitted, you can't get anything done right. You're a jack of all trades, master of none. That's what it is. That's what it is. I've been around the block long enough. I just, you know, you can do all these things and you kind of wonder, well, what did, what did it achieve? Did you really do more? Did you really get more done? Or did, you just, or did you just psych yourself up that you got something done there? I'm just saying tonight, be very careful that your schedule is not master and tyrant of your life. Now, if you spend a lot of time in the car, I think a lot of you know this, but make it productive time, amen? Memorize scripture, amen? Pray. Do like I did. I was praying one day, back in the days when I worked, I was praying, and, uh, and I started singing, and I thought about somebody I needed to make a phone call to, and I made the phone call, left a voice message. Unfortunately, I didn't click my phone off, and I kept on singing. And I was singing this, I love him better every D-A-Y. I love him better. Well, the, the, the person I left a message was a man. He's probably thinking, who is this weirdo that left a message on my voicemail there, okay? So I just remind you, if you have to make a phone call, un- unplug it, amen, you know? And if you're going to pray when you're driving, keep your eyes open. Amen? That'd be a good thing, okay? Be committed to things that are eternal in nature and have profitable results. Now, you plan your schedule. Here's what you have to evaluate. What am I scheduling? What is, what, how pro, what is the profitability of this thing that I'm, I'm putting in my schedule? You know what you're going to find is you're going to find if you're look, measuring it by profitability, there's waste you're going to eliminate. But make sure that your scheduling does not become master in time of your life. Third thing, and we're done tonight. Consider Paul's counterattitude against fainting. We're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. You heard my, my variation of that, you know. We've got trouble, but I'm not stressed out. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Don't let depletion make you quitter. We faint not. Don't let depletion lead you to cut corners. Paul said in verse 2, renounce the hidden things of dishonesty. Don't let depletion cause you to look to yourself for renewal. I can do it. I can do it. Well, you can do all things through Christ. Through Christ. Not to yourself. Look to Jesus. For the which cause we faint not, though our outward man perish, our inward man is renewed day by day. Let's get renewed. I started off tonight, I'll use a simple example, kind of humorous about our phones. All the things that we can do with our phones. It's amazing. All the things we can do. But the phones run on batteries. Batteries get depleted. When they get to a certain level, they're just not as effective as they are when they're fully charged. How's the battery of your spiritual life tonight? How's it been all year? Before the new year starts, let's get renewed. Let's charge up that battery. Charge it up. Charge it up. We have a power. We have a persuasion. We have a perspective. We have a process. Father, tonight I ask that you just take the very simple practical thoughts found in this passage of Scripture, charging it up. and realize the importance of spiritual renewal. Give it new life.
being at 100% capacity, not 20% capacity. Being fresh and crisp and sharp, enthusiastic, excited, renewed, revived. A fresh outlook, a fresh vision. Soaring the skies once again as an eagle with our wings spread outwards. Running and not growing weary, walking and not faint. Father, help us tonight if we've fallen into the trap that's so easy to fall into, being lethargic, being slothful, being status quo, being lukewarm. We've lost our passion, our joy and happiness has dissipated. Help us tonight, the outward man has perished. Help us identify tonight that the outward man has perished so that tonight the inward man may be renewed day by day. And help us, Lord, we've got a lot of work to do to keep that inner man re renewed. We've got to, we have to realize the, re the renewal is daily, but the renewal is a discipline. We've got to wait on you. Father, forgive us tonight for rushing you. Forgive us for not giving you the time of the day. Forgive us for not waiting on God and understanding the discipline of waiting and the delight of waiting. And, Lord, the rewards of waiting. God, help us to learn to wait on God. I pray this evening that the message has been profitable and helpful to help us renew our faith, renew our strength, renew our vision, renew the power of God in our life. Because the ecstasy of the power is not of us, but of God. Have thine own way, we pray tonight, in Jesus' name.